Welcome to the Southridge Baptist Church Podcast. Today's message is from the series, The I Am Says I Am. Through this series, we're learning how to connect who we want to be and what God wants us to be. Today's message is entitled, I Have Nothing to Prove. So prepare your hearts and lives to hear a powerful word from God today. Welcome to another week at Southridge Baptist Church. We're thrilled to have you here. If this is your first time, you are a special guest. And we are in the second part of a series we kicked off last week. And we're just excited to have you here. Thank you so much for coming, making the time, making the drive, the trip. Hopefully you grabbed a cup of coffee on your way in and you are ready to study the Word of God together. We're going to be in Genesis chapter number 32 this morning. Genesis chapter number 32. We started off a series with kind of an unusual title. The I Am Says that I am. Today, so many people are finding their identity in so many areas. Some people, they find their identity, like the video said, in what they do, but that's just what you do. It's not who you are. And sometimes we'll go to our coworkers and, and we kind of let them define our identity or we'll turn on the television and we might let the television define who we are. Um, some of you, you may see an ad and all of a sudden you just feel like you're so many sizes too big or you're not strong enough, or you're not good looking enough. And all of a sudden you're allowing your identity to be defined by something that isn't you. Instead, we go to the word of God and the word of God gives us our true identity. And we kind of kicked off the series looking at Moses because Moses asked a powerful question God said Moses here's what I want you to do and Moses said to God who am I as if to say God you're looking at the wrong person I'm not I'm not good enough I'm not I'm not the right leader Uh, you're 40 years too late God I'm 80 years old it you should have should have caught me a couple generations ago might would have been this might have been a whole lot easier for me but now, no, 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 I'm taking my Centrum Silver and my Ovaltine, and that's kind of me right now, you know? And I just kick back in the easy chair, and I watch golf. I mean, I'm just, I'm not at that age anymore where I can just kind of be running around, and this is difficult for me. And, and God said, no, 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 Moses, it's not about you. It's about what I say about you. And if God says that you are, and guess what, my friend, you are. Because have you noticed any time God says something, it happens? Genesis chapter number one, let there be light. Bam, there was light. God created everything. Everything that we see is because of something that God said. But it's amazing, in our lives, we're not seeing what God has said about us. And it kind of goes to this key fundamental thought that who I am doesn't determine how I act. Who I think I am determines how I act. Who I think I am. Because I meet so many believers and they have so much potential in Jesus Christ, but yet they're not living up to that potential. And it's not because they don't believe what God says about them. It's because they think they're something else. And we're going to look at a character this morning that I, this week I was going to preach a completely different message. But as I was just in my own personal devotion, studying the word of God, this character jumped out at me and just grabbed my attention. And uh, this guy had more identity crisis. He had more name changes. I mean, this guy was just kind of all over the place. And we're going to be looking at the character of Jacob because he had some serious deep identity issues and he goes through several name changes he had more name changes than the singer prince i mean he's just all over the board okay i mean this guy's just doing all these name changes and everything and i'm just kind of like wow and i never noticed it until i was just reading and it was like no lord i'm gonna preach over here and isn't it amazing man sometimes god will just mess up my sermons i'm telling you what it's just like man really god i want to preach this but uh it was exciting to see as god said no 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 this this is the message it was speaking to me and i'm i'm excited to bring this message 
message to you. I hope and pray it'll be a help because in Ephesians, God calls us his masterpiece, his work of art. And I use the illustration of a Michelangelo's Piata who, who somebody took a sledgehammer and defaced, defaced it in the Vatican. And they were able to get some people to kind of restore it to near perfection. In the Garden of Eden, Satan came and he tried to destroy God's masterpiece, you and I. And our life's journey is to see God restore that masterpiece. That's the goal of life. To see God once again restore what is broken. To restore what Satan has taken away. To restore those lies that we believe. To just say, no, no, that's not who we are in Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that in this life of Joseph or Jacob. And uh, I was, as I was getting ready for this, I was kind of thinking about, um, some of you have heard of those TV commercials, if you, or TV, uh, the radio's commercials, where it's the life lock, the identity theft stuff. And I was thinking, you know what? That's not a bad title for a message that we need some identity guard on our own identity because Satan is just wreaking havoc with some of us and who we believe that we are. And we need some life lock ultimate here. But for Jacob, Jacob felt like he simply wasn't enough. I don't know. Have you ever felt like that? You just say, I'm just not enough. Just maybe in parenting, you're just, I'm just not enough. Matter of fact, this morning, um, I'm not, we're, we won't spend the whole time, but what's something you in your life, you just, you just feel like, I'm just, I'm just not enough in this. I, I, I don't do this enough. And just shout something out. Anybody got something? I don't pray enough. I don't love enough. Anybody got one? Just shout it out. Just shout it out. Anybody? There we go. We've got one. Anybody else? Another one? You don't pray enough? So we could go all and on and on. You guys don't like to talk to each other. I'm going to have to wake you up. I'm going I'm to get you going this morning, okay? All right? And some of you are like, I hate it when he does it. I know. Get over it. And uh, we talk to each other in church, all right? And uh, this is a participation, just not in a monologue, okay? You got to get involved, all right? If you uh, wanted to go to a, a church where you just sit back and do nothing, well, uh, try the next theater. It's empty, you know? And, uh, uh, but here we're going to get engaged. We're going to get involved, all right? I hope you don't mind. We're going to be doing a little talking this morning. But we could, write, we could write a huge list of all the things we don't feel like we're enough. I don't feel like I'm a good enough husband sometimes. I don't feel like I'm a good enough father sometimes. I don't feel like I'm a good enough pastor sometimes. I don't feel like I'm a good enough Christian sometimes. And we could go down this list and we just feel like I'm just, just not enough. And you know what that drives us to do? It drives us to feel like we've got something to prove. That's what it does. We feel like I got to prove something to boss. I got to prove something to the pastor. I got to prove something to my wife. I got to prove something to my children. And we just go through life just feeling like I have to prove that I really am something. Instead of just believing what he said about me. Believing that I am all that he says I am this morning. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number one, verse three. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. You say, I don't have enough. You need to remember this verse. I got all spiritual blessings. You may not feel like enough. I've got all spiritual blessings. I am hooked up in Jesus Christ. Well, your Bibles are open or your iPads or it's not going to be on the screen. Any, any device that you, you look at the word of God on. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 32. And I'm going to start reading in verse number 22 of Genesis chapter 32. The Bible says this. And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the four Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. This is Jacob. I'm sorry. Let me give you a little background, all right? Jacob, actually, his story starts about four or five chapters earlier. And we're going to really get into it. We're kind of jumping right in the middle of the story. You hate walking in on a movie or walking in on a story. And we're going to kind of do that this morning. But don't worry. I'll give you some background. Jacob is headed home. Now, the last time he was home, he got a death threat from his brother. 
He hasn't seen his brother in over 25 years. And he's coming back to face his brother. And as far as he knows, he didn't see that his brother had friended him on Facebook, okay? His brother wasn't following him on Twitter. He hadn't heard anything from his brother in these 25 plus years. So he didn't know if his brother still wanted to kill him. So he's assuming that nothing's changed. That's what he's assuming. So he's worried. So he has this plan, okay? It's the middle of the night. We're going to cross this river. We're going to cross over to this place. And guess what? It's dangerous enough to cross a river. You must be pretty desperate if you're going to do it at night with your kids, okay? This is not just like a nice little stream, you know, middle of the night. No, this is not, this is not some simple thing. I think sometimes we look at the Bible and just kind of think, oh, yeah, that's nice, cross the river. No, 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 put yourself in the story, you know? The Bible's not boring. We're boring. We don't look at the scripture and see, man, this dude, he really was scared. He's crossing a river at night because he's worried about what his brother may do and then we continue the passage okay verse 34 24 and jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day this man is going to become what we call a christophany it is jesus christ that pre-incarnate he's wrestling with this man it's amazing when you and i will get alone god will meet us there some of you are saying i'm not hearing from god get alone and god will meet you you say, I'm just, my prayers aren't being answered. You just need to get the distractions out. Turn off the TV. Turn off the phone. And find a quiet place. And just say, God, I need to meet with you. And he'll meet you there when you find that place. Here, Jacob. He's alone. Verse 25. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him. We're never going to prevail against God. Isn't that Joe, just so funny that he, he thought he could? You and I have done the same thing. Let's not look at Jacob like chump, idiot, stupid. We do it too. We do it so many times. Come on, God, please let this work out. Please, 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 you know. And we beg, we beg and beg. And we try to wrestle with God. And then we almost get bitter at God. And so here, Jacob, he prevailed not. He kind of go figure. He touched, then this is Jesus Christ. He touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Jacob is so stubborn like us. Here's his leg, the hollow of his thigh, the strongest muscle and bone of his body is now out of joint. Does he quit? Somebody get this guy on the wrestling team because this guy's the guy you want. He's not quitting. His leg is now out of joint, dislocated, and he's still wrestling, and he's not winning, but he's still going out. This guy's got heart. He's digging deep, okay? Let's keep reading. The Bible says this, and he said, this is Jesus saying, let me go for the day breaketh, and he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. We're going to get into all that's involved in that statement. Verse 27. And Jesus, after, after jo- and Jacob said, hey, bless me. I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. Jesus asked him a question in verse 27. And he said unto him, what is thy name? I saw it and I was like, God, you're all-knowing. Jesus, you know everything. You're omniscient, all-wise. You having a senior moment here? Uh, You forget something? What's going on here? No, no, no. He's trying to drive a point, okay? Notice what Jacob says. And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob. But Israel, for as a prince, thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face. and My life is preserved. And as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh. You say, why is verse 27 so powerful? Because this is not the first time in Jacob's life that he has asked for a blessing, folks. 
You say, what do you mean? Go back when he's younger. He does ask for a blessing. Not from God the Father, but from his earthly father. But his earthly father asks him the same question. Who are you, Jacob? And what does Jacob say? I'm Esau. I'm Esau. Now, here he's wanting another blessing. And God says, hold on now. Last time you wanted a blessing, you lied about your identity. What are you going to do this time? You're needing a blessing. You're needing a touch from God. You're needing something from me. But you're not going to do it the same way. You're not going to do it out of deceit. You're not going to do it with the disguise. I want to know who you really are. See, God, he's, he's done with us playing games with him. He's done with us, well, I'm going to come into church and act like I'm so spiritual. And uh, bless God, everybody. Good to see you. So glad you're here. No, no, no. God says, you're coming to me. That's not how you're going to come to me. I'm done playing the games. I'm not going to play the games with, uh, oh, church is just kind of something I do, you know, just kind of check it off the list. No, God says, wait a minute. When you come to me, you bring who you really are. No pretense, no games. You drop the act, you drop the hypocrisy, and you get real. And some of us, that's really hard because we feel like we're so broken. Guess what? We're all broken. We're all messed up. That's why we need church. When's the last time you went to the hospital and you said, I don't go to the hospital anymore. There's too many sick people in here. I would hope so. People come to church and say, there's too many sinners in there. I would hope so. What are we doing? That's what the church is all about. It's about helping the people that need the help. And if you're sitting here this morning saying, well, I don't need it. Like I said, there's a theater next door. We don't want to kick you out, run you off. But I'm telling you, this is for people who are messed up, okay? We're all messed up, all right? We've all got sin. We've all got problems. And we're here because we want to see, just like Jacob, his life is turned around because we want a blessing just like Jacob. We need something just like Jacob. And God's saying, okay, you need that? I want to give it. But we're done with the fake identity. We're going to find out who we really are. And God does bless him here, folks. God does do something. But God doesn't just bless him. God says, Jacob, that old identity is done, man. We're done with that. It's like Jacob got a whole new start. The very last verse, did you catch it? I love it. The Bible says this, and he passed over Penuel. The sun rose upon him. It was a new day. It was a new day in his life too. No longer is he Jacob. He is now a prince with God. He's now got position. He's now got things. He's got some entitlement. God is calm, and God has changed everything. And that's why we're here, because we say, God, I need you to do something. I need you to change something in my life. Now, that's just the introduction. Let's pray, and then we'll get to the real message. Dear Grace and Father, I thank you so much for this passage of Scripture. Oh, I pray for those that are here. I pray that it would help. I pray that it would encourage. I pray for those of us that we just need something from you. We need to hear from you. We want to know what you're speaking to us. We want our lives changed. We're, we're done wrestling with a fake identity. We're done with the pretense. We just want to be the Christian you've always called us to be. We're done with trying to, uh, trying to make it through and, and feeling like we're not enough. And we want to see that what we are and who we are in you. And forgive us for going anywhere else to try to find our identity. But our identity is found in you. Pray you would bless this message. I pray for those that are here. I pray that they would, they would hear the message and they would receive it. And I pray it would change their lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at this challenge. See, God asked Jacob, who are you? You see, God then told Jacob who he truly was. 
But let's go back. We got to do a little study. Go to chapter 27 if you've got your Bible. If not, just it should be there in your notes. And if not, just listen really well because we're going to do just a little bit of a study in chapter 27 here. In chapter 27, this is where we get a little background of Jacob and Jacob and how he started. And notice this is the passage where Jacob, in effect, stole the blessing. But I want, I want you to get the full context, the full story here, okay? So it starts in verse number, verse number one, okay? The Bible says, And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now, therefore, take, I pray thee, the we- thy weapon, thy quiver and thy bow and go out to the field and take me some venison and make me savory meat as I love and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless thee before I die and Rebekah this is Isaac's wife heard when Isaac spake unto Esau's son and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it and Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son saying behold I heard thy father spake unto Esau thy brother saying bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death now therefore my my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And we're going to see there is a plan concocted by Jacob's mom to say, hey, your brother's going to get this blessing, but I want you to get the blessing. So while your brother's gone, I want you to go and get the field, and I'll, I'll cook this meat so it tastes just like venison, so it tastes just like deer, and you will take it into your dad. And Jacob has a little dialogue with his mom, and his mom says hey Jacob or Esau is a very hairy man very masculine the Bible says he was a man of the field matter of fact Esau even means uh, like a rug so if you felt his skin he was that hairy he was like running through the rugs some of you remember the shag carpet it's kind of like that all right and uh, so that's kind of what they were saying and Jacob the Bible says it was a plain man a man who kind of kept that home and Jacob said no I'm, I'm, I'm not like that it's going to be a dead giveaway. And his mom said, use a disguise. And so he used this disguise. And that kind of brings me to my first point. Jacob felt he had someone to pretend. He had someone to pretend. I wrote this quote down this week. You were born an original. Don't die a copy. You were born an original. Don't die a copy. How many people were looking at our life and were saying, I'm not enough, but that person's better than me. So I'm going to walk like them, act like them, talk like them, dress like them. I'll be just like them because they're somebody. Why do you think we idolize movie stars and rock stars and anybody that's on television? Because we think their life is so much better than ours. And we start idolizing them and we start wanting to be them. And we start talking like them, walking like them, dressing like them. And you can go to the local high school and you can kind of pick out, okay, what group they listen to because they kind of dress like that particular actor or that particular pop star or that particular pop singer why because they want to pretend to be something because they look at their life and they say i'm not enough so i'll pretend to be something else only one problem with that when you and i pretend to be somebody else we're saying god you messed up in who you made me to be and god didn't make a mistake when he made you and we're looking at god and saying i'm not good enough you didn't make me good enough this is your fault so i'm gonna i'm gonna fix this Hey, Adam and Eve tried to fix it, didn't they? Caused more problems. They said, oh, 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 we'll fix it. We'll cover our sin. We'll, we'll, we'll become who we want to become. We will be wise like God. We will, we will do that. And it didn't work out. Caused death and suffering. You know, it takes a lot of courage to be you. It really does. I know sometimes parents, we can give our kids a hard time in junior high and high school. They go through a lot of peer pressure to just kind of be who they're not. 
And it's so hard even for those of you that work. It's so hard not to just kind of give in to what everybody else is saying. To not give in to what everybody else is doing. It's not easy to be you. And some of you, you feel like, well, who I am isn't good enough. And if I was them, people would like me more. If I had their personality. I grew up in a family of seven kids. All right. I was the middle child for a while. There's a lot of times where you see the older one get some attention. Then you see the younger one get attention. And you're kind of like fighting for it because you're in the middle just trying to stand out. Somebody notice me. And you're trying to work and you're trying to pretend. You're trying to, trying to be something that you're not. And I see so many Christians doing this. We try to be somebody we're not. Hey, folks, I don't get up here and sing. Why? Because it would not bless your hearts if I got up here and sing. I know who I am. I know the abilities God's given me. I know my gifts and abilities are different. And I don't need to go around being jealous or try to pretend that I can sing like somebody else. It's just not going to happen. But here's what I love what the Bible says in Psalms 139 verse 14. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought. Look to your neighbor and say, you were curiously wrought. Curiously wrought. You say, what does that mean? Have you ever seen somebody sewing a rug or sewing crocheting? It's very, they're not just kind of like, hey, what's going on? Sewing away. No, no, no. They're, their eyes right on it. Every detail, everything is so perfect. God says, that's how I made you. I didn't just kind of, hey, what's up, Gabriel? What's happening? Uh-huh. Hey, Michael, how's it going? You know, keeping everything in line. All right, good, good, good. No, no, God said, no, no. I supervise every part of your DNA. Everything about you I made. And God says you are awesome. You are my masterpiece. You are a work of art. There's no need to pretend to be somebody that you're not. You see, you and I, we're called to be like Christ. That's who we're called to be. The only person you and I are called to imitate is Jesus Christ. Him. And when we imitate him, we are becoming our true identity. But for so many of us, we're not. I've never seen the show, but I heard about this show on TV. It used to be big. It was called Mad Men. And the key character, Don Draper, I guess the whole plot of the show is it's not his real identity. He's somebody else pretending to be somebody else. And I thought, that's the whole basis for the show? And they were like, yeah, it's the whole basis for the show. I said, huh, that reminds me of a lot of Christians. We go through our whole Christian life pretending to be somebody we're not. And I want us to feel like, wait a minute, I can come to a church where I'm not having to put up the pretense, where I'm not having to do this. I can be who God called me to be. I can be all that he's made me to be. You see, we're called to be like Christ, Romans eight twenty nine. For whom he did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That's our goal for you and I to look more like Christ. But guess what? We are called to be more like Christ, but to be unlike everyone else. That's part of our, our calling. We have a dual identity. To be like Christ, but to be unlike everybody else. Now, when I say that, let's be careful. Some people, they take it that that means we're supposed to be weird. And that means I'm supposed to get all these Jesus bumper stickers and stick it all over the pastor's car. All right? And so he's got one little spot he could drive and there's bumper stickers everywhere. Because we're supposed to be weird as Christians. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. 
What I'm saying is we're supposed to say, you know what, God? What are my gifts? What have you called me to be? Where is my desire? The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. God says, follow that path. That's what we're supposed to be like. You see, if we were born to stand out, why do we try so hard to fit in? We're trying to be like somebody else. See, the greatest tragedy in your life is to never become who God created you to be. That's the greatest tragedy. To never reach your whole potential of what God wanted you to be. To never become that person, that father, that mother, that brother, that sister, that boss, that that parent that God wanted you to become. There's so much more that God wants for you, but you're never going to find it by trying to be like the person next to you. Look at the person next to you and say, I love you, but I can't be like you. I love you, but I, you're saying there's just an empty seat. That's right. You can't be like that seat. I love your seat, but I can't be like you. Nobody's going to sit on me. That, 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 that'll preach, actually. But we don't have time for that. Um, but let's keep on going. You are unique and marvelous and wonderfully made. The Bible says you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Ye are the light of the world. Salt and light, they stand out, folks. They stand out, and that's what God has for us. But let's go deeper in the message. Why would Jacob feel like he had to pretend to be anybody? Really? I mean, why would he have that feeling? Because it wasn't enough that he just felt like he had to pretend to be his brother. It was that he felt like he had something to prove to his father. You say, where do you get that? I didn't see it. I know, I'll show it to you. Go back just to chapter chapter 25. The Bible says in verse 27, And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter. A man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau. Because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. I almost preach this as my Father's Day message two weeks from now. Because I think there's a deep wound in many families. And it's the father wound. So many, so many boys are trying to get the approval of their father. And they're not getting it. Today we have so many that they're growing up without a dad and they're so desperately wanting the approval of the father. There is something inside of each one of us, male or female, where we so desperately want the father's approval. It goes so deep to the heart and to the core of who we are. Our society is starting to catch up on it that the father, the absence of the father is what's causing such havoc in our society today. And here for the life of Jacob, he saw how his father liked his brother. Why? Because his brother was kind of a man's man doors and they got along together and they would do stuff together they might have gone hunting together and here jacob jacob is at home with mama he's a mama's boy nothing wrong with being a mama's boy everybody every boy needs to love their mama but i'm telling you what there came a point as he would open the tent and see dad and esau where are you guys going we're going hunting can i come remember what happened last time you had a bow and arrow he, we almost don't have a father, okay? You know, it's a good thing you don't go. No, no, stay home. Wash some goats or something, all right? Help mom in the kitchen. And there's this wound that just over time just developed. Because why? The Bible says it. Isaac just loved Esau more. There was some favoritism going on here. Created a wound. All of a sudden, there's this wound. So now all of Jacob's life is now, I got to prove something to dad that I am as good as Esau. 
that I'm every bit the man that he is. To the length I will steal his position, I will steal his birthright, I will be more crafty, I will be more cunning. And so people that don't have it physically, they may return mentally and say, I just got to outsmart him. I got to stay one step ahead of the other. I just got to be a little bit better. And you've seen this played out in your job. You're thinking, how can somebody be so underhanded? How could somebody be so, so lying and conniving? And it's just kind of our society that we feel like, I've got something to prove. And some of us, we feel like, I got something to prove in our Christian life. You know what? Here's amazing. God never asked us to prove anything. When did God ask for you to prove that you're a good enough Christian? Never. When did God ask you to prove that you're a good enough parent? Never. God doesn't say, hey, here's the benchmark for a perfect parent. Here's what I expect. But here Jacob had this strong desire to prove something to others and to himself. You and I had that same desire. But with God, there is nothing we need to prove. He proved it all. The Bible says he loved us and he died for us. He gave his life for us. What else do we have to prove to him? But some of us are going through life just feeling like, I got to prove something. I got to prove something to somebody that I am something. You see, I don't need approval when I know I'm accepted. The Bible in Proverbs 29 verse 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. Some of us, we feel like we've got to prove ourselves to somebody. We've got to make it like, oh, I'm really somebody. But when we're accepted, God says, I accept you. I accept you. Some of us, you say, no way God can accept me. I've done too much. I'm unlovable. Can't accept me. You know, you're more than your mistakes. You say, that sounds like a point that we kind of hit on last week. It is. And it'll be the point next week and the year after and the week after and the month after and the month after that. Because until we start living like we actually are past our past, I'm going to keep hitting it. Because some of us throughout the week, we look at our past, we look at our mistakes, and we just get defeated by it. So I will keep saying and keep preaching and keep telling you that you are more than your mistakes. Hey, get this. You're more than your memories. Some of you, what's happened in your past, whether you did it or it happened to you, you you just keep playing that over and over. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you were neglected. Maybe somebody did something to you. Maybe somebody wronged you. Maybe somebody hurt you. And that track just keeps playing and playing. And you can't move on because you got this plat, this track just on repeat, repeat, repeat. My son in the car, he's got this favorite song. And Lord help us when we have to push the repeat button. I'm telling you, there have been times this car has almost gone off the freeway. I'm like, man, I just can't take it anymore. Those little children's songs, they do on and on. And it's worse than the, the never-ending song. So it's a song that goes on and on, my friends. We'll just keep going on singing it. And no, no, it's worse than that. I mean, it's just kind of one of those things. You'll go clinical if you listen to it for too long. And for some of you, that's your memories. It's just playing and it's just going and it's just going. And you don't stop it. You just keep on going with it. Matter of fact, you start believing it. So you are more than your mistakes. You're more than your memories. And you're more than your misfortunes. Those bad things. That business deal that went south. Hey, that home that went underwater. Hey, that, that, that relationship that fell through. Hey, this thing that happened. That divorce or this problem or that problem. You're more than those misfortunes. Don't look at those and say that's who I am. Because that's not. Because God had a long list that he could have gone down through with Jacob, couldn't he? Jacob, you're a deceiver. Jacob, You've got some real problems. You're a manipulator. You're a schemer, Jacob. You're a thief. You stole things from your own father-in-law. Hey, you're an idol worshiper. The Bible says later on the chapter, we don't have time to get there, that Jacob had all these idols. And after this prayer meeting with God, he says, we need to get rid of those other idols, guys. So he was an idolater. He had all kinds of messed up problems. And God could have brought this whole list and brought it up to him. But God doesn't do that, does he? 
The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so far have he removed his sins from you. Your sins, he doesn't remember them. You might. But God says, what are you talking about? It's a clean start, clean slate. God says, you are accepted. You don't need approval. Also, I have nothing to prove, only one to please. Jesus Christ, the only one that, that I'm pleasing. I don't, I don't have to prove anything to him. I don't have to say, okay, I need to go to church today. I've got to read my Bible today. Oh, I've got to pray today. I've got to love the wife today. I've got to take care of the children today because I'm proving something to God. No, we don't do anything out of proving it to him because that's not love. That's not love. And I love this too. Those that love us, they don't ask us to prove anything. They don't. I have my mistakes, my messed up things that are just terrible. My wife doesn't come to me and says, okay, if we're going to keep this thing together, you've got to prove that you're this, this, and this. If you, God doesn't come to me and say, hey, if you're going to stay in this family, you've got to be this, this, and this. Fast 40 days for a year, in one year, you've got to read the Bible 10 times this year. You've got you to go do this. You've got to build the church to 10,000. No, no, that's not what God's telling me to do. And he doesn't come like, at you like that either. Why? Because he loves you, and people that love you don't ask you to prove anything. Because they know the Holy Spirit working inside of you will do the work, will do the changing in your heart. See, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. God is working. You see, society measurement of worth is based on self-worth, net worth, but that's all worthless. That's not what we base our worth on, who we are. You see, Jacob, he felt like he had somebody that he had to pretend to be. He felt like he had something to prove. And all of that led to, he felt like he had the strength to prevail against God. He said, you know what, this worked out for me pretty good. I'll, uh, I'll deal with God the same way I've dealt with my brother, my father, my father-in-law, my wives. I'll just deal with God the same way. I'm cunning enough, I'm crafty enough, and I'm going to come at God the same way. And some of you, you have this habitual habit that how you deal with people, that's how you think you're going to deal with God. And God says, I'm not having it. I'm not going to let you. We're not doing this on your terms. You come to me on my terms. But Jacob had this a bad habit of how he dealt with things. And we don't have time to go into this. But that habit, it infested his whole family. His wife even said, hey, I'm not enough. I've got something to prove. His wife, Rachel, couldn't have children for many years. And she said, Jacob, if I don't have kids, I'm going to die. I'm going to commit suicide. My life's not worth living if I don't have kids. Why did she feel that way? Felt like she had something to prove. Where did it start? Starting the life of Jacob. You know, it didn't stop there, does it? Jacob has 12 sons. One of them is Joseph. Jacob loves Joseph above the other 11. What did the other 11 try to do to Joseph? Kill him. Why? Not because they hated the brother, because they wanted to get back at dad. Hmm, don't you see a cycle just happening here? And it'll happen in your life too. You say, if you don't deal with this, it's not that bad. I'm like an island. It's okay. It's not going to affect anybody. It affects everybody. Jacob's whole family family was just affected by his having to prove something to pretend to be somebody and he felt like i can prevail with god and god says no no it's pointless when we try to wrestle with god we never get anywhere when we wrestle with god as christians it never goes well because god wanted jacob to get to a point where jacob had an unshakable identity and god said jacob are you done with this when God said, hey, you are Israel, no longer will we become Jacob. God wanted Jake and Jacob to come to that point where he had an unshakable identity. And that's the goal for this series, that you have an unshakable identity. That you can turn on the TV and when you feel like you need a weight loss or you feel like you need to do this or you feel like you need to drive that, all of a sudden or live in that house, all of a sudden you feel like, no, 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 that doesn't define me. 
I don't need that. I can watch the show, watch this TV commercial, and I don't feel like I got to run out and buy a Rolex. I don't need to feel like I got to go get that latest makeup. I don't feel like I got to go get that.